0: You're listening to.
1: Whoa! Potluck.
2: Potluck! And what is poppin', everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 148. My name is Marvin Yue, and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have the once in the future
0: professional, Asian American Jess Jew. Hello, Marvin. My the sinuses. Part. Oh my no, sinuses. spring has As come. you can hear, I don't know if it's spring. I don't know if it's just like recovering from any like going out and trying to party at any time just leads to like an automatic sinus infection. I don't know if it's my bronchitis, but I'm not feeling great, Marvin. Oh, no. Mm. Well, it is what it is.
2: Thank you for uh, bearing with it to podcast with us this week. Um it's getting. I feel like it's getting harder and harder for us to get together because we're all professional Asian Americaning all over the place this month. Mm-hmm. Well, well,
0: it is one month away, right? The one month we <laughs> exist. So I feel like everyone's really gearing up, and I do actually think this is earlier than usual. Usually, we get panic emails like the week before May. Mm-hmm. So this is like kind of fun. Yeah. Well,
1: it it also seems like there's a lot of content this month. Um, we have beef coming up and then we have Polite Society. This is all in April. So it's kind of like they're not even waiting. Yeah.
2: I was thinking me. about this because we're this week we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons, which is in any other year before the pandemic would have been like a solid tentpole summer film. And we're mm-hmm. getting it like in April, which is I guess it's now like the MCU release window too. So I guess it makes sense. But yeah, wild times. That voice, of course, is from our most professional culture editor, Han Win. Hey, hey! Hey, Han.
1: I'm also feeling somewhat Tennessee. <laughs> oh
2: no, it might it might just be spring. I mean, our rainy yeah. season is over. I think. And I
0: went to get meds at the lo- my local CVS, and the cold and flu section was oh, yeah. cleared out. So oh, no. I'm no, I'm not the only one.
1: Yeah, I had to. I think uh, resort to stuff that had a, a Spanish language label um, <laughs> for like, when I had a cough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs>
2: Uh, my go-to is just the, the Asian stuff like that, uh, the black syrup, the pifagal.
0: Mm. <laughs> that one's good for sore throat, but like yeah. I need like I like need an I need an industrial nasal oh. decongestion. See, my mom
2: would just stick the green oil up my nose. Oh. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, I I it probably does work, but like you know, I feel like those are a lot of, like external things. I need something that's just gonna like sedate me for <laughs> the foreseeable future. Oh no.
2: Well, good thing is um, rain is over. Welcome to the heat wave. It's going to get scorching this weekend. Are you guys excited?
1: No.
0: (laughs) The sun's nice. It's still a little cold. Uh, I think temporally, like I just haven't left my house a lot in the last few days. So it doesn't really matter what the temperature is outside. (laughs) Happy that my heat bill, gas bill isn't going to be crazy Mm. this month. Yeah. Being an adult, man, that's when you're less like when you tape <laughs> when you tape the gas rates, like when things are cheapest next to the thermostat, that's when you know you've become your parents.
1: Huh.
2: Well, as we mentioned earlier, we're talking about the new um fantasy adventure film Dungeons and Dragons. But before we get to that, um, let's find out what pop culture is us through this week. Um, Han. I see you're back on your uh, K-drama <laughs> soapbox. Uh, what's popping?
1: <laughs> yeah, I promise I'm not going to bring up K-dramas every single week, but because I could, but <laughs> I will spare you that. Um, but this one I figured was a good one because it's a, sort of a one-off. It's a movie on Netflix. It's brand new. And also, it's coming out around the same time as John Wick. Uh, so it's called Kill Soon. And uh, basically, it stars uh, John do and um, what's great about her is that she's this sort of like really well-known Korean actress, and she's had a long career. Um, but she is also playing an action star slash mother um, in this, and she's uh, a hit person, like an assassin um, for hire. So she is also, if you look her up, she's fifty and she's doing. Oh my this. god! And she looks, of course, amazing. Um, her skin is dewy and. Like, the stuff that she can do is amazing. So uh, why I compare it to John Wick is, you know, yes, assassin for hire. Um, but she also has a little bit of a uh, conflict of interest because she is also the mother of a teenage daughter who is now starting to have kind of her own uh, issues and she's realizing that like in order to pay attention to her daughter maybe she shouldn't be away you know all over the uh, the globe killing people um and also besides which you know like there's there's an expiration date at some point um, what's cool about this is that she the the company she works for is called mkent like entertainment and uh, so they used language that sounds a lot like Entertainment agencies. (laughs) So they'll be like, oh, uh, it's time for this show, which means like your assassination, your killing that you're doing right now. Um, And if you are a up-and-comer, you know, you need to make your debut. Um, And so they go through this whole training process. And at one point she goes and she's like oh they're training some new people now and so they she actually watches them and they're literally on a stage recreating one of her her uh killings um in the past and so there's like an audience it's kind of like you know a stagecraft where there's like the rest of your peers give you feedback and since she's visiting they're like oh my god it's it's the it's kil um her real name is gil boksoon um she's pretty badass uh they never really say that she's like you know, superhuman, but she is a force to be reckoned with. Um, and her her daughter is an interesting character. I don't want to give anything away, but there's stuff going on there. Um, and she's also, for some reason, has this weird relationship with the leader of MK Entertainment, which you need to look into. Uh, for K-drama fans, they will recognize um, a very good cameo, Um midway through and I don't know what else to say. I don't want to give anything away, but I mean, it's just a good, solid assassin sort of film.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely getting like some like Liam Neeson, middle age action revival <laughs> vibes from this. I'm kind of wondering what is like the central, I guess, driving conflict, right? Is it just is it just like a drama about her balancing her, her work and life? Or is there like does someone get kidnapped? Is there like a
1: there like, a, there a is escort mission? <laughs> There is work-life balance, for sure, um, because they like one of the things in the trailer that they show is like her grocery shopping, but then also killing and then trying to get home in time for her daughter. Um, But I think there is also maybe uh, a philosophical difference um, about who gets to decide who gets killed um do you just follow blindly because supposedly NKM entertainment has sorry i keep saying entertainment ent uh, has sort of rules like no underage people could be targeted um but of course these reels are uh these rules are somewhat arbitrary uh, yeah so there's a few things going on um and there are probably sort of themes going on related to the entertainment aspect. Like, for real, there's a reason why they kind of, like, make this sort of parallel, draw this parallel. So there's also that underlying theme. Um, that's a criticism, <laughs> I would say. Um, the The nice thing is this actress is also, if for those who have watched the most recent K-drama, Crash Course in Romance, she is the lead of that. And in that, she uh, runs a side... Uh, dish shop so it's really kind of funny to see her from that very charming teen mom um, who, who makes your favorite side dishes to this <laughs> um, but yeah so I, I highly recommend it and that's it's a good entry point for people who don't want to like dive into a 16 to 20 uh, <laughs> episodes
0: show
2: All right, uh, Jess what's popping with you
0: I have something much sadder and more <laughs> mellow Boy Genius which is the super group Consisting of Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Deckus released a new album um, last week. And it's just been slow, sad, gay listening. (laughs) Uh, All three of these women do identify as queer. And it's it's just, I don't know if you're familiar with, I think Phoebe Bridgers is probably the Mm -hmm. most well-known name in that group. But like, you know her vibe is sad girl. And yeah. I'm almost kind of sad that, you know, the weather's getting better now because I feel like this is the perfect album to kind of just <laughs> sit in the rain to and be sad. <laughs> um, you know, the very like gossip hungry part of me is like, oh, how many of these songs are about Paul Mescal, mm-hmm. who she famously is no longer engaged to uh, and may or may not be dating. But Bo- it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. The, the, Someone said this: that whole love triangle scandal breakup was the Gen Z's John Mulaney breakup for millennials. Uh, like that's the level. But anyways, it's very good. You get a mix of both the three women singing together and other folks' uh, songs with you know them individually doing some lead vocals, and it's basically like. How do I describe this in a way that my old friend Marvin will understand? It's like if Taylor Swift was really sad me, and Hans depressed. <laughs> I'm talking about in spirit. Nothing. In spirit, you're older.
1: I, I, I musically, I, I, I am a little bit more in touch. I would. <laughs> I will.
2: I will.
0: Because I feel like I have to explain Taylor that. Swift to you, Marvin, <laughs> um, which negates the ability for me to relate. Phoebe Bridgers to Taylor Swift. If you don't know who Taylor Swift, like you, if you don't understand Taylor Swift, I
2: understand the general gist of Taylor Swift. <laughs>
0: do like, you? Do you though? Do you though? Like conceptually, but like emotionally, do you understand? Culturally, do you understand?
2: Mostly just conceptually, I understand the yeah. concept of Taylor Swift and her appeal. I emotionally, I have nothing. Nothing.
0: Is, is your wife a Swiftie?
2: No.
1: Uh, Anti- okay. Okay. Swiftie. She was. She does not That's enjoy the Swift. Wait, what's what an anti-Swifty? What does she enjoy then? Um,
2: mostly two thousands boy bands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. Okay, but yeah, I'm just I'm just having a good time. I really, again, I can't watch anything in my free time really at home because I'm just inundated with watching things for work right now. So a little music, a little. A little closing my eyes. Maybe a hot bath. Um, that, that's that's what's been getting me through this week. Yeah. that and to- I do watch Top Chef still, but that's about it. That's <laughs> all I can handle right now. That's fine.
2: That's all you need.
0: But Marvin, what's popping with you? I have
2: been reading. So... As I've mentioned many times on this podcast, I have another podcast called Books and Boba where we um, cover books by Asian and Asian American authors. And this past week, I had an author interview with Maureen Gu, who is a prolific YA Asian American author um, who specializes in like K-drama, K-pop inspired YA rom-coms. Her latest novel is called Throwback. It is about a Gen Z Korean American teenager named Sam who um, gets into a big fight with her mother, who is a Gen X driver, who wants her daughter to have, like, the all-American high school experience, whereas Sam herself is a little bit more, like, chill Gen Z, like, uh, into progressive culture and issues and so they get into a huge fight and Sam storms out of the car and has to take a ride share to get back to school and somehow ends up in a time traveling magical ride share that takes her back to the year 1995 where she meets her mom as a teenager and has to figure out how to get back to her own time apparently this magical ride share won't pick her back up until she finishes what she came back in time to do and she reasons that the reason she's here after meeting her teenage mom is to figure out why her mother is the way she is and sets out to help her mother reconcile with her own mother slash sam's grandmother thereby i guess um, resolving the circle of generational trauma in immigrant families Um, the book is pitched as back to the future meets the joy luck club um, because it involves all those you know Immigrant mother-daughter relationships.
0: Oh my God, please fix the generational trauma in your family (laughs) to get back home. Yeah, and I had a lot of fun
2: reading it. Um, Like with any good time travel story, there's a lot of like anachronisms, a lot of just dealing with a time before internet. Because um, Maringu consciously set this story in 1995, which is really important because Like, you know, I am an older millennial. Um, I came of age in the late 90s, uh, but I still remember 1995, which is a time before the proliferation of cell phones, um, early dial-up internet, even like personal computers. And so there's a lot of really funny scenes of Sam trying to um, figure out how to survive or how to live as a high school student in an analog world. Like, there's a whole scene where she goes to a library and has to look up um, old newspaper articles using microfiche and just—I don't know if you're old enough to remember looking at microfiche in the library.
0: Yes, I used it. I <laughs> I was using paper resources until college because I learned how to do that in middle school when I went to a co- when I took a college class. It's a weird <laughs> program. Don't let twelve-year-olds go to college. I failed out of that class, one class I tried to take, by the way, but they did teach me how to use, like, yeah, like those microfilms and those archives. And I just thought that's the way you do it. And then finally, like my sophomore year of college, someone was like, y- you know, everything's online, right? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I also remember I brought a floppy disk to my freshman year of high school because I didn't know what US. Bees were. Uh-huh. Oh, and someone was like, "Why the fuck did you bring a floppy disk?" I'm like, "How else am I supposed to get like my files yeah. from home computer?" I, to- I- so yeah. I do remember that transition
1: where I'm just like, what is this even called? Cause everyone had different names for it instead of <laughs> a Flash drive, a jump drive, a USB. And I was like, but my computer doesn't have that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think this is a, what happens when you don't grow up with like gamers in the family. Like, like my sister, my older sister is not a gamer. Parents, not, you know, not into like, not very well versed in tech. So like a little slow to adopt. I feel like, you know, when you're, itching for that like playstation shit and all that you're like oh we got to upgrade the internet we got to like do all this stuff. i'm like i don't know as long as i can play neopets i'm fine
2: (laughs) yeah um so yeah had a lot of fun traveling back to 1995 with throwback
1: (laughs) awesome i just requested of netgalley but i've i've read her other stuff and i enjoy her so i'm curious about this
2: I mean, I wonder if that's still available because the book is literally releasing next Tuesday.
1: <laughs> Sometimes they let you have it for maybe a couple weeks after. But if they don't, oh, well, no big deal. <laughs>
2: if you want to borrow it, I, I have a copy. So,
1: yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I usually just then put get in the long queue at the library. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. Personally, I also haven't been to a library in like decades at this point. Well,
1: oh my god, libraries are
0: great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, physically, I've only been to a library maybe before the pandemic. More thats the most recent. Mm. But I just get it online. So, all
2: right. Well, that's what's popping for this week. Um, Before we get to Dungeons and Dragons, though, let's check in on Go Asian, our podcast within the podcast, where we recap the latest episode of Top Chef season twenty. This past episode was the football episode where they go to tottenham hotspur stadium and do a tournament style um, cook-off but not before our chefs undertook a biscuit quickfire. which i thought i knew what a biscuit was like english biscuit <laughs> but now mm-hmm. i'm like do i know what a biscuit is it's is it like it's a shortbread cook- cookie right or
0: it's just a. Cookie, a cookie that's crisp that yeah. that snaps which i don't personally like i like american cookies i like them soft and chewy in the middle mm-hmm. um but like the brits are like oddly like defensive about like this is the right way to make a biscuit it's like get over this yourself judge like,
2: was very very like snobby about his biscuits like even when the german man decided to take, put a just spin so on
0: it It's just so unwarranted because, like, no one besides you guys, British people, think that, like, the really hard, almost dry cookie is the best form of cookie. That's ridiculous.
1: I I will say, though, German Tom made a cake. And so (laughs) everyone else, even if they didn't meet the brief specifically, at least they made a cookie. So, (laughs) you know, uh, I I was also like, this is
2: our second cookie challenge in, like, this, this season. It's only been four episodes. Mm hmm. Because yeah. we just had Ritz, like two well, ago.
1: Well, well, Ritz isn't cookie. It's a cracker. But um, I will say this whole episode was about very British foods. Um, so the, the English tea biscuit. Um, and then in their football challenge, every ingredient was very specifically British. Like a certain type of apple, English peas, and then English cheeses. So I think in this case, maybe they could have pushed it more like, hey, you need to make British food. But that's what basically what it was.
2: No, let's decolonize that.
1: <laughs> well, you know, that's the episode. But yeah, yeah. I, it was not my favorite. I felt like the, the elimination challenge was really rough. <laughs>
0: you know? It I know. was, But
2: I thought it was really compelling. I really enjoyed like this, like high stakes cook off. Like if you win the first round, you're done. And it's like and like they did the squid games thing right where Mm -hmm. your team is now your enemy at the last round Mm -hmm.
0: i know sometimes it's it was more like concept or i guess gimmick of the challenge than just about the food uh which i get it it's top chef it's reality tv and you make it interesting but i don't know i just again the whole like i get it you're in england you want to highlight things but like one of your ingredients is a mild cheese. <laughs> a mild, like, is a, that exciting? A mild cheese and then a blue cheese. So I would have been like, what?
1: What?" <laughs> like one person, like one team gets the really strong flavors and the other ones gets like a barely anything. So, yeah, I found that one was a little bit challenging.
2: I was more put off by the fact that like the final challenge was peas, which...
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, not- which is interesting that some of them didn't cook their peas all the way. So...
0: <laughs> I, I am a pea bitch. I love peas. I love peas. I would have loved to and I actually like my peas pretty raw. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a thing you do. And I, I have agree. had that dish mm-hmm. at uh, a very famous British restaurant. It was literally just raw springtime peas and they were delicious. So like that would have been the only one that like kind of excited me. but like <laughs> I would just like like a mild cheese, and apple. Apparently, even more tart than
1: a Granny Smith, which I, it actually intrigued me. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, I did enjoy that, like, the first challenge of Buddha's team was like trying to be all fancy. And they learned that, no, you just have to use the ingredient as many times as possible. And that's what the judges want. And so, um for their apple challenge, it's just, it's an apple tart with apples and apples and apples.
0: Yeah. That seemed to be a running theme about, you know, the dishes that were winning. And, again i think it's like when you are in a crunch time because they don't even get like any time to plan it right they don't even get to go shopping for themselves it's just you got 45 minutes go yeah and you have to do it over and over again i'm like oh it it just did seem like people were resorting to like we're gonna just make it in seven different forms and (laughs) put it on the plate
2: i did enjoy that this episode we got to see some more personality from the other chefs i mean maybe maybe because the field is getting smaller we did eliminate two chefs last week um but i did enjoy the time we got the additional time we got with actually canadian nicole um the filipina mm-hmm. uh, from canada she uh, i did love her let's say personality clash with Victoire during <laughs> their, their challenge
1: and Victoire got a lot of uh attention this episode too So uh, I
0: cannot believe she didn't tell anyone. She was definitely allergic allergic to walnuts and they had to EpiPen her in the field. And then she's like, can I go back now? They're like, no, (laughs) put me back in, coach. I can do it. I mean, Victoire is obviously a badass. Yeah. You know, we're only getting a portion of her personality considering she learned, you know, as they stated, she learned English four months ago for the show. This is her seventh language. Mm-hmm. um that's insane and you know they really were like ooh, they did go in all in and they were like italy's hella racist which i feel mm-hmm. like is not surprising to us mm-hmm. um but i was like yes wow you tr- <laughs> we're just explicitly saying that on this show that's pretty cool not the racism please sorry not the <laughs> racism, but the fact that we're like just very frankly addressing that
2: yeah, yeah. well well, in the end, um, all four remaining Asians still safe from elimination. Uh, we did lose Luciana, who is the Brazilian chef, which, you know, I'm fine with Asians go Asian.
1: Yeah, like she was fine. Um, I, I, She was also the one I believe. She moved to England and she messed up the uh, Kedgeri that I like. Oh, yeah, so. You have not let that go. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm just like, eh, maybe maybe you need to like understand more English food better because that's twice now that she has messed up English food. So, yeah, um, yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, um, for Asians remain, I'm going to episode five. So Go Asian continues. Um, so, yeah, next week we'll 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 check back in with this week's episode of Top Chef. And yeah, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Stick around. Hi, I'm Marvin. Part of the Popluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club and this week, we're breaking out our D20 dice, setting up the table because we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, the new fantasy heist action comedy film directed by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, um, starring Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Reggie Jean Page, Justice Smith, Sophia Ellis, and Hugh Grant. And this is like, I totally forgot there was like an earlier attempt to make a Dungeons and Dragons film franchise. But oh, this, yeah. I guess, this awful. Is, I guess this is Jeremy Irons, wasn't that one? I mean, oh my god, this is I guess Jeremy Irons, Birch? Birch? yeah, yeah, wow.
1: it's just oof, forget that. <laughs> I think you just blacked it out of your memory.
2: Um, this is their latest attempt, and I, I might I say quite successful at like capturing the tone and spirit of a Dungeons and Dragons game Uh, the film follows a party of lovable misfit adventurers as they attempt to do a heist on the castle town of Neverwinter which is ruled by the con man played by Hugh Grant who is a former member of their party turned turncoat So yeah, let's get started. Um, As always, we're going to start off our conversation with a spoiler-free review of the film to give our thoughts on what we liked and whether or not we think Dungeons & Dragons is good pop. And then after the credits, um, stick around because we're going to go into our spoiler zone where we'll be going in more detail on all the plot elements. So without further ado, I guess, what do we all think of Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves?
1: Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree that I like the tone a lot. Uh, And I think part of it is if you looked at the credits, you might have seen John Francis Daly, a familiar name. He was an actor and star of Freaks and Geeks. Um, and he clearly is a gamer. Um, I think that is the key part of why this movie worked versus the other ones that we are blacking out of our memory <laughs> is because I think there was a part, uh, a point in which they're like uh, movie studios were like, oh we need to jump on this sort of fantasy train and Dungeons and Dragons is big and then they would try to make a like a really big uh, fantasy movie a la, you know, like Lord of the Rings or yeah, whatever. But everyone's trying to
2: find their own Lord of the Rings and yeah. they like, oh, here's an IP that is beloved. But... Yeah, but
1: they clearly <laughs> were not gamers themselves so they missed what it was about. Whereas this one, it's, it's not just that there are um, sort of proper sort of... Uh, usage of certain things that gamers would understand because that would be too referential so that's not good but what I like about it is they have the same sort of like dialogue that people have when you have a campaign with your friends they you notice chris pine does not speak in the faux british accent that most (laughs) fantasy uh series or movies do um so there's a lot of sort of colloquialisms between the different characters uh they make sort of jokes and the sides the rhythm is good uh i yeah i really just enjoyed it good casting i chris pine is my favorite chris
0: you know (laughs) Nothing Chris, ad- Chris yeah. Prime the best Chris by far yeah. not even a competition
1: yeah but you know what's great about that is like you don't need to know Dungeons and Dragons to understand this or, or enjoy it it's just perfectly fun um, I think it also kept the, the pacing up really well because as we said it's a heist but there's also a mini heist in the middle <laughs> of it and then the, the bigger heist so yeah it's all good
2: yeah you know I totally missed the Freaks and Geeks during his original run. So my earliest encounter with, with John Francis Daly, one of the directors, is when he played sweets on Bones. Because I watched <laughs> I know, the hell right? Of that Isn't
0: that crazy? <laughs> and he left to like focus on writing and directing, and he's doing great. Yeah. <laughs> I really had a really good time. I, you know, from the from the announcement that Chris Pine was gonna be in this, I've been really excited. And then the first trailer I thought was really Fun. I think they just made a lot of smart calls overall about the tone of the movie, how they're going to approach it. Because this could have also very been easily been like a very serious, like World of Warcraft kind of oh yeah angle, right? Right? Like very very serious. Because Dungeons and Dragons is inherent. I mean, I guess it depends on how you play. I know a lot of people in my life who do play Dungeons and Dragons, and um, it's it's this very Fun combination of joyful like dick arounding and but also like, you know, like very serious epic battles. And and the movie seems to understand that versus like making this another like Marvel IP or like another kind of like trying to be like Lord of the Rings or something, which I think a lot of high fantasy tries to be very serious. This is this is a comedy. It's actually more probably a more of a comedy and it is a fantasy series it's a comedy set in a fantasy with the trappings of a fantasy um so as someone who loves fantasy I also absolutely love kind of the tropes they utilize versus they don't utilize it has you know the conventions of my favorite class of film which is a heist film or getting you know a get they when they said we gotta get a team together I turned to Raymond and I was like Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love this movie. That's my favorite part of the heist film. And they did I it great I love the getting the team get mm-hmm. it together. uh and the you know, best is part perf- is
2: the treasure that they're heisting in this film is family.
0: Is family. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, was it a perfect movie? Um yeah. no. But there I think some of it was maybe and I, I and again, I think part of it is kind of in the DNA of Dungeons and Dragons, so I don't fault it too much, but you know, it's very meandering. Uh, mm-hmm. I think some of the set pieces work better than others. I thought, you know, we have so many characters to get through. Sometimes it got bogged down in either exposition or we had to spend like a moment outside of the main quest to, uh to, to explore some other characters, motivations and stuff. Uh, but again, that's, the point of Dungeons and Dragons the game, the side quests and the meandering and the fun and the characters. For a movie, you know, this ran 2.15. I think they could have shaved probably 30 minutes off <laughs> um, and, like, really tightened it, but um, I-, I overall really enjoyed it. I thought there was some really fu- Chris Pine, I think, does not get enough credit as a comedic actor. Mm-hmm. Some of his line readings are just fucking fantastic. And I don't know what was wrong with my theater? It was pretty full. There was not a lot of reaction. I feel like I was the only one laughing or, like, gahoffing. And I'm just like, this man is, like, giving it his all. Mm -hmm. These jokes are, like, legitimately funny. Like, the line where, you know, the the brain eaters, you know, the (laughs) creatures that Mm -hmm. uh, feast on intelligence and, like, brain activity walk by and, like, totally just ignores the entire crew. And I'm like, that hurt i was like that's that's great that's a great moment yeah um it's it's pretty good yeah (laughs) yeah
2: yeah i also really enjoyed watching the film it reminded me of like so you know when you're playing dungeons and dragons your your enjoyment is like very contingent on how well your dungeon master like who is like running the campaign is at like keeping up with the improv right and you know Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop RPGs are essentially improv with rules, right? Like, you want to do something, you roll a dice to see if you did it. And this film just felt like a really good, like this is like a campaign that you will play with your friends over like the course of like several months, right? You, you have several adventures within several sub adventures within the larger adventure that explores different things. They're collecting treasures they're assembling their crew and leading up to like the final fight against the the big bad. And it just like, it felt like uh, playing a, a tabletop RPG with like a competent DM who allows their players to like do whatever they want. Because Chris Pine's character, Ejin um, essentially is a bard, but kind of more like a, a roguish type he, he does mm-hmm. more like thief stuff than bard stuff he just mainly uses his his loot to smash people's faces right um mm-hmm. he does a he's lot a of crazy like stunts that like feels like if you're like peeling back the um the the layers right if you're imagining these as players playing these characters he's like the wild card player you have who just tries to do the craziest things and always rolls a 20 <laughs> and it, it, yeah. it works right just really felt like like the worst the, like the scene opens with like a prison escape. The way they escape reminds me of a way that like someone does something that the dungeon master did not prepare for, right?
1: Yeah, I I think that's the other element of this movie that really worked for me was there was just enough ingenuity throughout. There are a few moments where you're like, oh, that's a good use of blah, 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 or whatever. Or I didn't think of that where (laughs) you are like, oh, this is very much like just playing among your friends and someone just like, brought this thing out it's like okay I,
0: I can see how that, that worked out there's always
2: one guy who just <laughs> never follows the rules and never does what you want them to do
0: <laughs> yeah or like like has a ridiculous pitch but they roll a d20 so you're like I, I it worked I, I there's a pretty infamous story amongst my friend group where I was not playing but they were stuck in like a cave that was filling with water and like had no way to get out so one of the players who was a druid is like alright like I'm gonna use my powers, rolls a d twenty. and she's like, "Great. I'm gonna change into a whale. Everyone get in my mouth. we're leaving. <laughs> and like that's that is the fun of Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like, how do you get yourself out using your creativity and your imagination to get yourself through to problem solve creatively <laughs> with other people?
1: Yeah. And so I think while some things fell into sort of like the formulaic fantasy quest. Uh, thing, there were definitely enough wild cards that kept it interesting and um, original.
2: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about what we like. And I think, you know, I think we can all agree the strongest part, one of the strongest parts in this film is just the cast, like our crew of thieves. All of these actors are are just like putting in 110% into their characters. And Mm -hmm. I just, I enjoyed them all. Like they all like, they all had their own role to play, but they all had such great chemistry with each other right
0: yeah and i mean chris pine is is a fantastic center but like michelle rodriguez and her action scenes fantastic mm-hmm. um and i'm surprised but i think it worked that they didn't go more like straight action for some of these scenes like they, re- it was really hard just kicking ass um and and the juxtaposition of like her just like you know like Kicking everyone's ass and like Chris Pine like trying to just wiggle out, uh, (laughs) I thought was really effective. Um, Body count was higher than I anticipated for this film. I'm not gonna lie. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, like (laughs) people getting beheaded, people getting eaten, like souls are getting sucked out. I don't know if these are spoilers. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons. We kind of have to anticipate that. Um, And I, I do think that they were trying like. It was fun to spend time with everyone's kind of class, right? But I do think I was a little confused in some parts because I'm not a Dungeons and Dragons player. I'm like, oh, like, are, are they falling into the, like, what they're supposed to be doing? Or, like, what, what are the limit? I didn't really understand the limitations of what they could do, but I, I still had a good time.
2: Yeah, I feel uh, like they're more playing archetypes than their classes, like their abilities, because it doesn't, there's just, there's so much there's a lot. And so I know there's so much more. Yeah.
0: It's so deep. <laughs> they and they I don't need to know all of it. Yeah. I, I
1: you know who I actually enjoyed a lot um, was justice Smith because the funny thing is I've watched him in so many things, but here just because he put on an accent, I was like, do I know him? Uh, because <laughs> he is an American, you know, born and raised in California. I was
2: wondering Cause, cause
1: uh, you he used could to kind like of tell guy, right? the he accent was, was a little rough. No, sometimes. no. But still what it, did throw me initially because I was just like, wait, he looks familiar, but he's British. And so I was like, do I know a British kid who looks like this? Um, but what I saw him in first was the get down. But he's oh. been in a he's been in a ton of other I know things. him uh, as Detective, Detective Pikachu P- boy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Detective Pikachu. Um, so I, I enjoyed him as a sorcerer who has self-esteem issues. Uh, which was kind of cute. And so there were some, a few sneaky things. Like if you watched it with kids, there are a few good sneaky messages in there, but it was also so irreverent that in some ways the messages didn't have to land. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, he had to learn to believe in himself.
2: <laughs> and you're know, stealing the film in the middle is Reggie John Page's Zank Yendar, the paladin, who is like, I don't think he was in there as a player character. He struck me as, like, basically a um, NPC guide character. Right? He's, like, the quest giver of yes. this quest. And he's there to just lore dump. And, I mean, some of the it other was, exposition maybe bogged it down. But when he did it, it was hilarious, I thought.
1: They they were so self-aware about him, and this character. And he was, too, because he played it straight. He was so fool of himself, but self-important. And, um, and Chris <laughs> Pine's character kept calling it out, and it was perfect. I was just like, how is this? Of course he's playing the paladin who can, like, defeat anyone, and it's perfect. And yet, so perfect, he's such a stick in the mud. He's, so like, boring.
2: walking around all hot, saving babies and healing beggars. <laughs> like- <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, just walking a straight line. Like, oh, you're going to walk? Um, yeah, perfect. This is the thing. Like, the perfect casting directors know how to utilize the strengths and the personas i think of the actors in real life to create this mix and this reaction this dynamic uh because i don't think he's that necessarily the most talented actor right uh but just utilized so well well in this role
1: right because honestly in in bridgerton i was just like super hot I
0: don't know if he's the best actor, but it's fine. But he's hot. But like, that's all you have to like. Zach has to be hot and amazing, and like, yeah. Oh, what's it called when you're too powerful, Marvin? <laughs> Op. Yeah, yeah. He's just over. Yeah, just brilliant, and you know he wears the armor well. And I, I think that segment was pretty fun. Um, I love Chunky Dragon.
2: Yeah, this was. I don't know
0: if he's in the lore.
2: I think he is like I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons again in decades like I've kind of moved on to other games but from I've seen explainer videos kind of about this dragon and I guess like I haven't done my research but he's a dragon what loves to eat I think that's his character
0: I when he's when dragon is just like Rolling? Like, rolling around. Can't fly. Really reminds me of that Pokemon episode with the Pudgy Pidgey. Who can't <laughs> leave the island. And just, like, dem- demolishing things. Just rolling. I was like, that's me in the morning. Getting out of bed. I love it. <laughs> um, and, I again, I was laughing very loudly. And I felt like no one else was. I was in a theater with two other people.
1: And they did not laugh. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so I was, I was the weirdo in the back laughing.
2: My theater was laughing. Because th- they... I don't know who you need to, like, give a raise to, but the the chubby dragon animations were perfect, right? This is, like, definitely, like, they filmed, like, a Frenchie rolling around and then mapped it onto a dragon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Has has cute dog energy. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, like um, no, that's
2: not And, you know, during that scene is also when we get our, like, our little moment of Asian representation, even though covered in makeup but like
1: yeah (laughs) there's
2: one asian guy who plays like the mid boss i don't mean like jason wong
0: very (laughs) handsome man um i mean he's supposed to look not great um which was unfortunate because he had in real life a very handsome man um but you know they they kind of just come and go and i was like oh like did we do we need this like army of undead to like Uh, I just I just feel like that's where some of the blow and some of like the extra stuff. I'm like, I would have rather spent more time with the characters or, you know, more silly gags um, with the characters. I I mean, it it was interesting if we're talking about
1: like he's the one Asian, his face is covered up because I was looking at this sort of racial break. Down of the cast, because when you play with your friends, you know, it's not specific, hopefully, to a, a specific race, um, depends on what your friend group is like. But um, and therefore there is no rhyme or reason to what the characters are supposed to look like. Right. And so I was thinking about that and I was like, well for the most part, there could be more Asians and also uh, more darker skinned black people. Um, I think I saw them in the sort of backgrounds or very, very, very like CD level characters. So, um, but I just thought that was in general kind of interesting because this is specifically a fantasy. When people talk about fantasy and race, um, that this one specifically, you did not have to abide by any sort of racial like logic, even if people like, push that because this is based upon like people in our world playing it. So uh yeah, I thought it's kinda interesting. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean representation wise, I mean it wasn't bad. I mean, we had a pretty diverse main cast as well. And you know, I, I do love that Chris Pine is now playing his second role as like sad white dad of a of a black child.
0: Can we are we can I talk about those scenes? And yeah. so um like he's so—it's just weird because, you know, to me he's young, hot Chris Pratt, but you know I do have to recognize he's Pine. like daddy age. No, sorry, not. Pi- oh my god, ill, gross. <laughs> That's the fever. But like, you know, he's Pine is like daddy age, right? Yeah, like he's yeah. been playing dads for a while. Still weirds me out because he's like Princess Diaries uh-huh. love interest to me. Uh, and yes, he has played dads to multi, biracial, multiracial children before. The wife, whose name I do not know the actor's name. I mean they te- her right away. They, like. they they fridge her mm-hmm. and they definitely give her the wife, dead wife edit mm-hmm. under the blankets. I kinda wish they poked more fun at that mm-hmm. because this movie is so self-aware, so much self-aware about everything else. Um, you know, as soon as I see the shots of the wife face close up under the blanket, I just started laughing. I don't think that was <laughs> intentional on the filmmaker's part. And the one thing that did kind of fall flat was like I'm like this and maybe this is my personal bias. This fucking kid, his daughter. I'm just like, you believe you, Grant. Like Yeah. Yeah. Like that was that was so easy. Like, like, could you have like set it up so it's a little more like if she's the MacGuffin and the motivation, which I understand. It's just like, could could like, is there was there a way to make her a little less like stupid? Like she didn't seem stupid, but to, like, blindly yeah, just... I, I, do, I mean, I do this feel, is, like,
2: our third film in a row that does not pass the Bechdel test at all.
0: I, yeah, I do feel
1: like this is because it came from a, a, bunch, of dudes. a bunch of dudes, basically, all creators. Um, and also, I don't know if any of them are fathers, but it, maybe it doesn't even matter. But I was just like, a lot of the people don't know how to write kids that are not irritating and dumb. Um so she was barely a character I felt. Like she was a, basically a plot point. Um so <clears throat> it 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 was disappointing there because if so much of the story hinges on his relationship with the daughter. Um and he's so smart and savvy even though he's kind of a failure. Um I would have liked personality from her. <laughs>
0: so Yeah, right? She's just kind of like I'm like why would you blindly yeah. believe like he's obviously so schmarmy, and you knew him before. So I, yeah, that's and then, but we don't really get time to interrogate that. We are like straight off into the mission, right? This bigger mission. That's
2: true. Like if you're Chris Pine's kid, give us Chris Pine energy, right?
0: Yeah, something, anything. Um, raised by Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez. Like what?
1: That's How are true. you? There? You You
0: would be more badass, yes. and I mean, you've been with and thieves too. Like you, I feel like you would have. Yeah. you know learn some <clears throat> acumen and how to read a room as well yeah
1: they act like she's like six but she's actually a teenager so that's the thing that i was like mm. yeah the okay.
2: writing for the most part is a lot of fun there are a couple of lines where they skirt real close to that like mcu whedon-esque type of dialogue but i gotta say it hits way more often than it misses
1: yeah i, I would rather them like give us like Whatever twenty jokes per minute, then like two that don't land at all. So like this was a comedy that you know gave it a it their all, and most for the most part it worked.
2: Yeah, um, so I guess we can call it here for our regular spoiler free discussion of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but before we move on to our spoiler zone, um, gotta ask: final verdict is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves good pop?
0: I say yes. I think if this is the new direction or a alternative di- alternative direction that these IP franchises can take that's great i don't necessarily need another slug of like super overly serious superhero movies um but i do think the next wave is going to be dungeon you know video game adaptations like mario's coming out soon last of us so that seems to be cracking and i would rather take a Meta comedy that doesn't take itself Too seriously with really Hot fun actors than another You know like Then some then Some of these other options that we've been getting The last few years so yes good pop I'm very excited for the next one um, I hope that we get more fun Guest stars and cameos <laughs> Uh, yes, I will agree with all of
1: that. I am down for this version of Dungeons and Dragons. And the nice thing is it has such a huge world. You can add anyone to it. It doesn't even have to re, you know, revisit these characters, although I would still like to see Chris Pine do stuff. Um, but yeah, so very fun. Let's go with this franchise, uh, and explore other things. Um, maybe, maybe more gelatinous cubes. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah i also thought it was good pop i had a lot of fun watching the film it reminded me of like remember the days when like we were excited to watch mcu films before they got bogged down by all <laughs> yeah. this continuity and having to you know pay attention to what other films are doing this was just like a good film that happens to take place in a duchess and dragons world and yeah I, i'm looking forward to i mean i'm assuming this is going to become a franchise um i feel like it can go one of two ways one is the um the Fast and the Furious route where you keep adding people to the party <laughs> and they become like a bigger and bigger family. Um, or my uh, concept, like I would also be willing to like, maybe the next film takes place in an entire different area of Dungeons and Dragons world with a whole new party. I think that would also be mm-hmm. a lot of fun as well. So I'm kind of excited to see where, where this will go. I have a feeling it'll be the former just because I'm pretty sure all these actors are probably signed like multi-film contracts, right?
1: Well, Michelle Rodriguez has already had a uh, (laughs) multi-film franchise under her belt. So it depends on whether or not she wants to come back. But you can still add and subtract uh, to the cast and it'll be fine. Yeah. Yes.
2: All right. Well, that'll do it for our spoiler-free discussion of Dungeons & Dragons. Um, Jess Han, if you want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go?
0: I guess I'm still on Twitter
1: at just you tweets. And I'm apparently still verified, possibly um, at Hanonymous.
2: Yeah, what's going on with that? Um, I have a feeling. Like, Han, do you know how to get out the? Is it co-host? Is that where everyone's moving to, or Mastodon? Like,
1: oh, people have been joining Mastodon and a few other things. The only problem is, I early on tried to join Mastodon with my handle, and no one got back to me. And I think you can only try once with a certain handle. So now I'm kind of stuck. Oh no. Um, yeah, no one oh. responded to me. Well, anyway, yeah. Anyways,
2: yeah. <laughs> I that's to say, I'm still on Twitter as well at Marvin Yue our show is at Good Pop Club we are still a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective I check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com and yeah thanks for listening Um, stick around for our Dungeons and Dragons spoiler casts, and we'll see y'all next time bye everybody bye, bye. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Roman. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh,
0: yes. Quarantine Comics. The weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Roman Segal, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works.
2: Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Maracas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Luen Yang, You might might not have
0: heard of half the stuff that we're reading or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff they could just read the books of us right
2: yes they could do that but you could also just send us money no ryan that's not how passion podcast projects work why in the hell are we even doing this uh i'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode <clears throat> so tune in each week to quarantine comics that's QTDComics.com. set phasers to fun Alright, welcome to the Good Pop Culture Club Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves Spoiler Zone. Uh, from this point on, we'll be talking about all plot-relevant things that happen in Dungeons & Dragons um, Honor Among Thieves. So if you haven't watched the film yet, um, this is where you should pause until later. But let's get started. I need to know, what did you all think of the Bradley Cooper cameo in this film?
1: I was actually surprised, so that was good. I, I kind of stayed away a little bit from the trailer and any other buzz or anything you could see online. Um, I guess I was happy that he ended up being, there's a character that she was liking that ended up being a smaller person, but I was kind of disappointed. It was Bradley Cooper. (laughs) Honestly, I was kind of hoping it would be someone else who was more exciting to me.
0: I had to double check that it was Bradley Cooper. Um, I knew there was a cameo, a surprise cameo. So I wasn't necessarily super shocked by that. I did not expect it to be Bradley Cooper, because I feel like Bradley Cooper takes himself quite seriously. Um, And then he, with the CGI, I was just kind of like, not sure if it was him or not. Because then he kind of just ended up looking like a generic, but handsome, like, white man. And I'm like, is that, is that Bradley (laughs) Cooper? Uh, I don't know who else I would have liked to see in that. uh, But that was fun.
2: Yeah, it took me a while to realize it was Bradley Cooper as well. And yeah, I mean, I'm not haven't brushed up on my Dungeons and Dragons in like again decades. Um, but I always thought halflings were more like hobbits than like just literally persons, but smaller.
1: Maybe that's their way of doing a hobbit. Um, yeah, that's how how I always thought of (laughs) halflings. Yeah,
2: I mean, I guess. Maybe um, Lord of the Rings or whoever made those movies has the rights to that specific depiction of like a halfling or a smaller person. But it literally just looked like they took a person and shrunk down their dimensions. It did take me a little bit out of it, but I did enjoy the joke that Michelle Rodriguez plays like this big barbarian who loves to fight, but also loves a short. King.
1: But here's the thing is. Yeah, he does. She does love a short king, but also, he likes the big women, and the and the big women like him. <laughs> That's not the only one that went for him. So yeah, I, I thought that was interesting.
0: Um, I related to that. I too love a short king,
1: <laughs> and I'm a little aggressive. So yeah, I, whatever it is, the energy seemed to work because he seems to like the uh, more aggressive yeah. women. And it
2: was a great punchline because he's alluded to for like literally half the film, right? Half the film you hear about her ex-husband and how she's still hung up on him. And so, I don't know about you, but I was picturing like another Barb, another barbarian, but
1: well, they for sure played it up cuz even the reaction was like that's him and she's like yeah, we were all
0: surprised. <laughs> so uh, You know who it should have been? It should have been Matt Damon, the cameo king.
1: Sure. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Like Scotty doesn't know.
0: Um He's too
1: busy selling
2: I, Air Jordans. In other yes,
1: yes, which I haven't been able to see yet. But um, yeah, I guess maybe it was because of his sort of unrecognizableness. But I definitely wanted it to be a bit more of a punchline when I saw him. So I'm not sure who it would have been, though.
2: And I guess since we're in the spoiler zone, uh, I guess we should talk about the, I guess, the climax, right? Where our crew mm-hmm. fights the um, the red wizard who's been pulling the strings all along. And in the course of the fight, Michelle Rodriguez gets fatally wounded. And that's when we find out that, um, like Jess mentioned before, Michelle Rodriguez turned out to be the mom we had all along.
1: Yeah. Well, this is also when we get the key thing where the daughter, Kira, finally contributes to the win. But at the same time, there's no
0: lead up to it because she's been useless this whole time.
1: So I'm just kind of like...
0: I mean, I think that's also kind of like a trope of... The game of, you know, there's just these really powerful objects that can nerf anyone, but which I understand in a game convention why that works, but in a movie, you know, it's they went through all this like effort to get this like one specific helmet that could break the seal, and that was like the only way, but like you also could have just put a cuff on her, and the cuffs were so commonplace they could. They had enough to like, you know, supply a whole arena. Contestants, you know, like they—they they just were. Sl- it's like seemed like very everyday. Yeah, gear. it's definitely kid.
2: like a Deus Ex Machina moment, which is like one of the ultimate like writing sins, right? Of screenwriting is to have like something pull victory from the jaws of defeat, and you know, it's it's a tool that DMs use because there's nothing less fun than a total team wipe, right? Um, but I feel like the final battle was fun and it was exciting. But the emotional climax, I think because of the fact that like, again, they didn't do as well of a job building up like our connection to the dead mom. And so like when they had to make that final choice that let's use the MacGuffin to revive Michelle Rodriguez instead of the mom. I was like, OK, I
0: I think also you, you know, if you've been watching western american blockbuster movies in the last 20 to 30 years you kind of saw that coming like a mile away because structurally you knew he was never going to be able to bring her back but you don't do a checkoffs tablet of revival <laughs> and not use it right like yeah. you, you have to use it um so i think that's why like we kind of knew it was all happening i i'm kind of actually fine with that i would rather have a movie be structurally sound than you go out of your way to like trick us and like um make make it like you know overly complicated to like pull a twist like that that's not great either it's just the really really great movies don't sacrifice structural you know soundness and unexpected creative choices but you know like it's it's there's it's Western storytelling. Like there's only so many formats you can do.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would say that sort of climax, but also the climax as far as trying to either a save, um, save the people, but also like save the loot. Uh, not bad, but I think the journey in this case was better than the climaxes. Um, but I did yes. think it was fi- very clever the way that they kind of got back at Hugh Grant's character um, by taking a very uh, literal um, interpretation of sharing the wealth um, of his riches with the people, which is basically using the... Uh, Hither thither portal the portal order- gun, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the portal which is to like actually literally get his loot to spill out onto the arena, which I thought was fun out of his mouth because he was in the hot air balloon, so that was that was nice and, <laughs> and visual um, yeah
2: as someone who loved playing the portal games um I did enjoy the portal um shenanigans in this film <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah,
1: it was clever, I think all the portal stuff was really nice and and I think that showed exactly. Why you need someone who plays the game to help write? Because <laughs> someone who doesn't would not be that creative, and like have the portal, you know, basically end up on the floor, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, where they were blocked. So I mean, yeah. and, and it
2: still follows the rules, right? It's like it's on one side; you can only go.
1: Yeah, uh, to see it. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think that's the other thing that people don't understand when it comes to fantasy is if you don't read or consume enough fantasy, you don't realize that magic actually has pretty strict rules um, and, and that's the best way you can um, tell if someone knows that property is they abide by those rules. So in here, you have Justice Smith's character constantly saying no, magic can't do that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, I like that a lot. Um, yeah. the, the parameters.
2: Yeah. All right. We talked about how this film had a lot of gags, a lot of jokes. What was your favorite like gag?
0: I will say, you know, there. I know we talked about the climax and made and like the multiple endings, I think, kind of dilute one another. But I will say the um, the part where the druid is able to trans uh, to to transform back into an owlbear and just start smashing oh, yes. the red wizard into the good. floor. Like over that, that was great. Paused um,
1: and then kept smashing. You. <laughs> kept smashing.
0: Very funny. Very like, very dog-like, right? right? right. Like yeah. when the dog takes a break and then keeps like, you no, know, um, Shaking. mashing like the toy they're playing with that, that, that did get laughs in my theater. Um, love just the bard slander slash, <laughs> um, hype. Cause I, that's, I think that's a big joke familiar even without even if you don't necessarily play the tabletop games are that well versed into fantasy like a bard like how useful can a bard be and you know he's using you know he's clobbering people he's distracting people with it <laughs> um and and he's just you know he's, love he's a bard
2: jaskier is one of the most popular characters in the witcher series
1: yes yes exactly <laughs> i love jasker um I think what I liked here was, weirdly enough, the chemistry between Chris Pine and Reggie uh, Jean Page's characters. Um, because even I think the whole I'm a rascal and I get away with everything. And then he comes up against someone who's so good at everything and kind of knows it um, <laughs> works out well. The just the commentary about him walking in a straight line and wondering what he's going to do just beautiful little moments like that really worked for me um, that were just a little bit meta uh, but still I don't know totally perfect <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I
2: really enjoyed the <laughs> the graveyard interrogation sequence where they're going around interviewing all of the corpses and you get pieces of like the um, the big battle but it cuts off whenever the person they're interviewing dies and they're trying to figure out who's the last person that had the helmet. That,
0: uh, and then you see the physical ailments of how they died, like in their <laughs> corpse, right? Like one yeah. guy's eyes hanging out because he got shot by an eye. One guy's just like cut in half. That was, that was really fun too. And that oh. was
2: mostly practical effects, right? Like those are yeah. like puppets, mm-hmm. right? Like,
0: yeah. Oh yeah,
1: they were I mean, yes, there's a lot of CGI in the movie, but those I think were practical. Um, Also, the
2: tiger baby was definitely an animatronic. I was thinking that that's not CGI. That's that's a puppet.
1: I was about to say that was my second like early, really early laugh was taking this kitten out of the uh, Magikarp or whatever. I don't just going to call it Magikarp. I'm mixing up my uh, properties here. But um, the big fish's mouth. I thought was really funny because it's usually the other way around when you're like prying a cat's mouth open to try to get something out. Um, and it was just cute because it was just like lying in there. So, yeah. I don't know. It was just so weird.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, going back to the graveyard scene and the fact that like, OK, the rule is you have to ask them five questions and they and then they die again. Kind of like pushing. And, days, and you knew,
1: right? And you knew how that first one was going to go. <laughs>
2: And it just gets to the part where it's like, okay, we got the answer we're looking for, but we still need to ask four more questions or else this guy's going to remain undead forever.
1: Yeah. Yes. This is also one of the things where you see that where the joke's going when it comes to the mid credit sequence or whatever it is, because right when the you leave the graveyard and what, and the one last corpse is like, Hey, you got one more question. You're like, Oh, we're going to see him again. I was just wondering whether it would come up again in a moment that would make sense to the plot. Um, it did not. <laughs> it just came up as a, an ending, you know, credits sort of like period, which is totally fine. Um, we don't, we don't need it to go into another MCU sort of cross, um, but I it just put a little button on it, and I was like, okay, cool. That's all I <laughs> <Yeah>. need. <laughs> I
2: also love the um, because the film opens with I, I forget their names. It's Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez in prison and yes. planning their escape. <laughs>
0: and- I love you think there's going to be some like super complex escape. Literally, their plan is they are going to tackle the bird, Jonathan, <laughs> Jor Jonathan, Jonathan. <laughs> Uh, But the buildup, I think, was perfect, right? Because you're like, oh, like, what is Jonathan? Was he a former keeper? Is he a friend of theirs? No, he's (laughs) just a fucking bird. And they're going to jump on him and get out that way. But, you know, they make it very clear that he's still alive. Um, Because they're the good guys. It can't be going around killing people. So, yeah, I mean, just that that was fun. (laughs) uh let's see what else I don't know I don't know how I felt <clears throat> about
1: the whole uh Chekhov's potato I, d- I don't know if that really a little weaker yeah yes. yeah I don't think that played out well yeah
2: I mean this film does really good they did a lot of really good callbacks mm-hmm. I don't know if that needed to be a callback
1: it, d- it didn't it wasn't strong enough to have a callback especially since it had nothing really to do with him like if he hated potatoes maybe I'd almost understand it um I did like the use because it was not an overuse of the gelatinous cube. Because as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh yay!" What uh, you know, like, I, and was curious about how they're going to use it. They didn't overuse it, which is fine. Yeah. Um, I think the sequence where uh, Doric actually has the big escape where she's uh, changing it to all the different animals was very well done. That was, uh, was, yeah, that was you know, and then ended up on the deer because there, <laughs> there you got the callback. Um. So it it not only was great storytelling, character work, um, action scenes, but also part of a joke.
2: <laughs> yeah. All good stuff. And again, one of the best parts of the film, Chubby Dragon. I hope like <laughs> I hope Chubby he's Dragon. okay
0: the roly-poly dragon oh my gosh uh, he's trying so hard to fly he could not fly <laughs> oh yeah but he could eat
2: all right i guess we can call it then for our uh dusky dragon spoiler cast um definitely one of the most fun i've had in the theater in a while i'm sad i couldn't watch it with the two of you but uh still plenty of good films coming up we there got past lives we got joyride
1: polite, polite society we still don't have judge to- me i want to watch air Oh no! Oh. <laughs> Air's supposed to be good. Um, Joyride definitely, and these are like Joyride and Play Society. Are I things feel like I might Air see.
2: is gonna be the type of movies like that was good, but
0: the thing is, people I are like talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I like dad movies like a lot, <laughs> like that class of like very um, low stakes drama featuring like white dudes in business. Like I, I do like them when they're done well. Um, and then I think, you know, Super Mario, Mario's coming out. That's
2: true. Oh. It looks pretty
0: fun. That it looks, looks pretty fun. fun I'm not yeah. going to lie.
2: Um, you know what I am actually going to watch probably this week is the Tetris movie. Didn't that just come out uh, on Apple, Apple Apple TV? Apple.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good movies coming out. I had to re-up my A-list. <laughs> so, very excited. I, I, like, wrote it all down. I'm like, yeah, like, economically, I should, I should just pay for a list. I will. I will consider
1: it. Right now, I think I get enough screener screenings. But the one that I a screening that I just got invited to that I can attend right now is Renfield, and I do want to see
0: that. Oh, so. I want to see that too. Yeah,
2: that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, lots to look forward to. Um, uh, hopefully we'll be touching on all of these movies and films, um, on a future Good Pop. But with that, that'll do it for this episode, and uh, that'll do it for our um. That'll do it for a Good Pop this week. Thank you so much for listening and sticking through our Spoilers Zone discussion. Um, we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody.